Holt Perez. Fantastic! What a way to claim your hat trick. Perez picking out. A good ball by Dixon, finding Smith, but Thomas charging through the midfield, Thomas, it's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! Hey everyone, welcome to the You Are My Arsenal live roundtable. This is the first one, hopefully the first of many. As you can see, there's a lot of lovely people here on this stream. So I'm just going to introduce everybody. We have the big boss, Michael. He's here with us. Luke is to the, the right of him, Drew on the bottom, and two of I guess I would say biggest podcasters, content creators for Arsenal. Um, that's just my opinion, but I'm sure a lot of other people would say that as well. We have Tom Catton from the Gooner Talk TV. Hey, Tom. Uh, you're all right. Uh, Harry's a lot physically bigger than me. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I can't really tell, you know, what you guys, what your bodies <laughs> would look like because, I mean, we can't tell from the chairs. You guys could be like really short. For all I know, but anyways, Harry, how are you? If you I'm guys good. Have, if you I, guys I'm, don't know, oh, go go ahead, Harry, go ahead. I was going to say I might be physically bigger than Tom, but he's got more subscribers than me, so it, it <laughs> evens itself out. That's what counts. The real bigness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're really happy to have you guys here. You guys are obviously like super experienced at this. You know, every a lot of people look up to you guys. You guys are always in the conversation when we talk about good Arsenal content. So. Thank you guys for being here. And for anybody who's watching, everybody who's watching, if you're watching it live or watching it on replay, thank you so much for, you know, being here and watching the round table and let us know what you think. So usually international breaks are super, super boring. But this morning, honestly, like I woke up to so much chatter about Lacazette. And I was just thinking to myself, like, why is Lacazette in, in the papers or like, why are people talking about him? And like, I'm actually shocked to see that like Julian Lawrence was saying that he might be getting a new deal. Kind of strange. Not sure if it's just paper talk to try to get the Arsenal fan base in a tizzy, but it did, you know, so much negativity just kind of like coming from just a little bit of information that may or may not be true. You know, um, Tom, how do you feel about it? Do you think that this is just paper talk and nothing to really take serious or, you know, is this a conversation to be had? And is there maybe a positive spin that we can put on this? You know, it was really negative, but from a lot of the fan base, but is there a positive spin that we can put on this about Lacazette maybe staying for another couple of years? Yeah, I think there definitely is a positive spin you can put on this. I mean, to lay out kind of where I was a few months back, I was definitely in the camp to say that if, if I've got a choice of moving on Lacazette with a year left on his deal, I think I was in the camp of saying, yeah, that's probably a smart move considering his age, considering how much maybe we could get for him. Um, but when I look at kind of what Arsenal's needs are, striker isn't really at the top of my list of priorities. It's probably like fifth on, on the list when you look at what... I mean, Jesse, you were on the show the other day and we were talking about kind of positions that, that we would be looking at. And I'm thinking right, right back and centre midfield partner for Partey, attacking midfield, Odegaard or someone else, left back cover, a backup goalkeeper next season. Like, there's all these other positions and we've got Lacazette and Aubameyang at the club and you're thinking yeah they're not they haven't necessarily had the best of seasons but we have created a lot of chances that they've missed and I feel that in a crazy season maybe that gets taken out of context or gets lost sometimes and next season you've got a world-class striker in Aubameyang there that does take chances when they're really given to him with Lacazette though I think the I think the the kind of furore about it 
I always like to use the theory of like the new toy syndrome of a lot of fans that love to see a new signing come in and no matter who it is, as long as it's someone different, that's all, that's all we want at Arsenal. But when we actually go out and think, who are we going to go out and get that's genuinely for the money that it's going to cost you, that's going to come in and give us more than, say, Lacazette is going to give us in, say, the next year or two? I'd much rather, say, pump 30 to 40 to whatever many million pounds into a centre midfielder or an attacking midfielder or a right back or a left back cover or whatever than I would replace in Lacazette. I think the biggest issue for me is going to fall down to if we give him an extension, how long is that extension? How much is that extension? I think that's the biggest crux of the issue with Lacazette for me rather than actually the giving of the contract. Yeah, I mean, I kind of see it as you know, I, I don't think that he should stay, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, maybe wanting to move on, you know, um, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not too, I'm actually shocked that this is even in the conversation, to be honest, you know, but if he did stay, that's not to say that he couldn't be a good leader, have some good experience, maybe have a Louise effect on, you know, the younger players, you know, but, um, I'd, I wouldn't really see this happening, you know, to be honest. I'll, I'll jump in real quick because I, I think you and I were talking about this just before we got in. But And Tom makes a good point, though. It's really – I'm in the court of if we if we get a, buy, a buyer for him and it's a good fee, I'd be okay with moving him on. But at the same time, I don't think a striker is actually our top priority. And if we wind up with have him having him stay – even if it's not extended, if we just run out the contract, I might actually be okay with that to a certain extent, but I'd rather, I'm, I, I, my, my whole opinion has been, I'd rather us invest in a younger, more hungrier squad, right. than we've got though. It's hard to deny. He's got the work ethic when he gets out there, he ends He adds something at, at least in the pressing forward that Obama Yang doesn't add. Um, and overall, I, you know, Tom, I, it's, it's funny because before this, before Tom spoke, I was kind of like, no, I'm firmly, he's got to go. He's got to go. <laughs> but Tom raises a good point. If we have, we have other priorities and if let's, if we manage to get those priorities in and he's still here and we extend him for a year or two, I think I'd be okay with that. I think for me with, with Lacazette, it's an interesting one because over the course of his Arsenal career, I've had spells where I've really liked him and spells where, I've thought that maybe he's not quite good enough. I don't think he's been maybe clinical enough over the course of his Arsenal career. I'm not talking about this season specifically, but I think over the, the course of his Arsenal career, there will be times where you look at him and say, well, you're not scoring enough goals. I totally take the point on board about um, about the fact that he gives us more in a pressing sense as a centre forward. And I almost feel like in Mikel Arteta's mind, he wants somebody who's kind of the in-between of Aubameyang and Lacazette because... Aubameyang is so much better at running in behind and pulling out from the left and receiving the ball and getting into that inside space and, and getting shots off. Lacazette can't really do that, but Aubameyang equally can't drop deep like Lacazette does and get involved with the midfield and, and doesn't work as hard um, in terms of the press. So I feel like that's why we see so often the two of them switching. You know, we see one in the team, maybe one not in the team, one being shoehorned out into the left-hand side. For me, with with Alexander Lacazette, if a decent bid came in, I would absolutely take it because I feel like Arsenal are in a position now where we're trying to rebuild and any money we can get, and I'm talking about decent money, obviously, um, would be helpful in doing that. But, you know, the whole contract thing, just because we sign him on a contract doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to keep him for the term of that contract. And with Aubameyang as well, um, you know, I wrote an article last week and I got loads of stick for it. my, My point was that, Giving him the contract was the right thing, regardless of whether you see him being at Arsenal for the next three years or not, because it protects the value of the asset. And so I I, I wouldn't read into the, the thing of giving Lacazette a contract too much. It could just be that we're protecting our assets. Maybe we've learned our lessons. And, and if, if bids come in, then perhaps we'll sell him and move on and, and try and, and go for a different approach. I, I, I'm not too upset about it either way. If he stays great, if he doesn't, um, then I, I won't be losing any sleep over it. I don't think I'm. I'm not upset about it at all. Personally, I think it it, it makes sense. Because 
there are very few teams that want to go on and, and build themselves up to, to challenge for, for trophies, for major honors that do it on the back of young strikers. That's very, very rare. I mean, the likes of Erling Holland are anomalies, yeah, and Kylian Mbappe, who arguably isn't even PSG center for it to begin with. It's, it's normal you want a striker to be in their prime when you're trying to build to challenge. And we don't have the money to go out by the likes of, you know, the, the, the bigger names that the fans want and then spunking up higher fees on someone like a knife and tone who you don't know how he's going to get on in a system that probably isn't really structured for him brentford a little bit different it's all about getting him goals but arteta's system has proven that it's not about really getting one player goals and that's why oba's numbers have fallen off it's not because he's a bad player it's because oba thrives in a system where everything is geared towards generating chances for him arteta's system generates chances across the forward line complete that's why Saka's goals have gone up it's why People think Martinelli could get goals from the left. You know, you see Pepe can score from all areas of the pitch. Odegaard's getting chances for himself as well. So a a player like Lacazette kind of fits that system perfectly because he wants to bring players in and around him and get involved. And he said so himself, right? So um, if you give him like a, you know, I don't know, like an 18-month extension, I think it makes sense. And we don't know how the finances are going to be. If we don't get Europe next season, the last thing we're going to want to do is to try to go out and spend forty million on someone who might be just Oba's backup. We don't we don't have that kind of capital right now. So as long as the extension doesn't involve a massive pay bump, it makes sense to just keep him for another twelve to eighteen months and revisit it from there. And then by that time, both Oba and Locker are going to be at the period where then maybe you can move on for them. Hopefully, you're back in Europe as well, and then you can maybe put towards you know the lion's share of your transfer budget in the summer towards that one position where this summer I feel like we have other business we need to conduct we might have to worry about right back we might need to worry about center backs depending on what happens with a few of our options we might need a backup left back we need another midfielder like this all we don't know if we're going to keep Odegaard on if we don't keep Odegaard then we need a, a potentially new 10 so there's a lot of other things that we need and I know it's been inconsistent but to say whatever it's worth Laka is in the top eight in goals in the Premier League this season so he's on 11 for the for the term right now and it's a year where no one is really scoring a ton of goals. There maybe Harry Kane, you could say, maybe Mo Salah, but other than that, not, there's not a lot of other strikers out there that are flirting with 20 right now. So I'm fine with the fact that he still has a chance to get something like 15 league goals in a year. And we should be okay with that. And I do think that sometimes um, Arsenal fans, because we've been so spoiled with the center forwards we have had at this club, I think it's a lot of us want a 25-goal scorer, but I don't think that's necessarily maybe where we're trending under our kind of system that's just more balanced, right, in the tax. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think it's one, for me, it's, it's, it's almost a bit odd that it's caused so much, I don't want to use the word outrage, but it's the kind of the only thing that's come to my head because it's one of the only bits of Arsenal news that's come out recently that I'd be happy if it went either way. And um, uh, I think you, could, you, you can only analyse it from kind of like two standpoints. And there's like the tactical standpoint where you can look at the whole time Arteta's been here, um, most of the systems have been revolved around a striker that, as previously been said, can drop deep, work a bit harder, bring others into play. Um, and then recently, we've kind of switched to more of a um, of a of a system where Aubameyang doesn't really have to get involved, and that's kind of coincided with with Odegaard coming in. Um, but on the other side of it, you always look at what Jess was talking about was like the leadership of it, and you have to imagine that whilst kind of we're only really seeing what's on the pitch. Uh, Arteta is going to be doing the whole picture and Arteta is trying to bring through these young players, people like Emil Smith-Rowe and Bakayo Saka that have all kind of said really, really high praise about uh, Lacazette on bringing them through. And um, you think in the sense that if he's having a really good effect on these youngsters coming through and he's a good effect on the team, then that that plays like a, a bigger part than maybe like a lot of people really want to admit when it comes to like squad building in the sense that even if in one year's, two years' time, he's not really in the team. He can still affect the team, and you know, like there's um, there's like a lot of different, especially when Arteta is trying to instill like this culture in Arsenal. If if you have a player, a senior player that has like a bit of gravitas about him, and I think that's this, you know, part of it why Luis came in as well. Same as him, what just said is um, these are senior players that have a, a personality and an aura that are in and respects the way Arteta wants to do things. And when you have these players in and around the training ground, um, it affects how other players perceive it as well. And I think this is part of why it's really important Arteta kind of brings in personalities as well as quality when he's building the squad. Because maybe in the past we've um, 
being a bit too pigeonholed in just what a player does on the pitch. Um, it, it could even be in the future that we go back to a, a, a formation that kind of requires someone more of, of Lacquer's um, uh, skill set. Because, I mean, Lacquer could go, which would again be fine. It could get off, comes in. It makes financial sense to sell a player in his age range at that part of his contract that potentially won't be a first team regular. But you look at the kind of the options, I'd imagine people look a lot towards Edouard, who is a good player, but is he going to replicate what Lacquer does right now? I don't think he would. Um, you're looking at maybe like kind of a season of integration and and things like that. Is is he going to hit the goals like he's hit this season? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I just think there's maybe more to consider than than people think. Like Lacazette has a lot of um, uh, a lot of people have kind of already made his mind up, and I think like a big part of it is is what Tom was saying earlier, and the fact that people just want new signings and like just new things. But you know, at the end of the day, we've had a lot of people come in and out. And a lot of the people that are doing it for Arteta right now are the people that have been here, like previous, like people like Lacazette, who has been one of the the standout performers this season, has has been a Wenger signing. So you know, we, I think sometimes you kind of have to take a little step outside the bubble and see like there's more these players can give than just kind of the the, the numbers, the raw numbers that they put on the pitch. Yeah, and just you know, I do think that there's a little bit more to think about, you know, than just you know, he's been inconsistent. Maybe you don't like him. Maybe he's not the type of striker you want to see. But we also have to take into consideration that if we go out into the market and we bring somebody in, what what's the likelihood of finding somebody that's going to want to play under Aubameyang? You know, not a lot of strikers, young strikers, 23, 24 years old, the ones we've been looking at, they're going to probably want to start. This may be a good opportunity to keep somebody around that Arteta trusts, that plays well in the system, that's different to Aubameyang, that can kind of be a stopgap until Martinelli, you know, comes into his own or becomes the nine that maybe they envision him being. So it might not be that big of a deal, you know, and considering the fact that there might be, you know, less funds than maybe we expect. I think, you know, Harry's talked about it a lot on his channel. And I know you were just saying like the other day that people are probably getting annoyed of hearing it, but I think it's important that fans hear this more and more that the financial impact of COVID is bigger than what it looks like you know, we probably don't have a lot of funds. And even if we, you know, what if we don't win the Europa League, then what happens? You know, so striker, is it really that important to get that, you know, taken care of or bring in a new striker? I don't really think so. You know, and Lacazette may be just a good stopgap. You know, we like him, we know him, you know, Arteta trusts him. And maybe it's just, you know, a stopgap type of situation. Just just to add to that point, I think, a lot of people will look at the Premier League clubs and look at the impact that COVID's had on them. But it's it's for me, it's more of, you know, looking around Europe and there's people sitting there saying that we're going to get £30 million for Lucas Torreira and things like that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen because the TV deals in, in Italy, in Spain, in Germany are not as major as the TV deals here in the UK. And that's going to play a major part. But just adding, going back to what Tom said earlier on, where he said, how much would it cost to get someone better that's the key point here with Lacazette right you know if if you're looking at someone I can see he's been mentioned in the chat Odsone Edouard at Celtic if you look at him and you and you're Mikel Arteta and you think he can be my striker for the next five or six years then by all means go and do it and replace Lacazette but if you're going to let him go and then not be certain of your next player and, and I know you can never be certain as a manager every transfer has an element of risk but if you don't envisage your next player coming in as someone that is there for the long term or someone that you feel can do better for the club overall going forward, then it, you're right. You know, it's going to be tough uh, to, to to find the money to replace Lacazette just like that. Well, what do you both think about? I mean, we all saw the, the, the video that Chris Wheatley put out, what, about a week or two ago? Or the individual training that Martinelli was doing and all the speculation around that was that Martinelli was being groomed to get into a center forward role. Tom, Harry, what do you guys think of that? I mean, it, it, let's throw that into the mix here. Do you, if you're gonna, if you, if Arteta sees him in a center forward role, do you actually need to go out and get somebody else, or next season, do you start bringing him into that role so that he's more of a central figure there? I'd be curious as to what you guys think. I, th I think that I'm obviously picking up on what Harry said about kind of the, the guy that you bring in for the next five, six years, if you do bring anyone in. Well, those five, six years, what does that mean for Martinelli? Like, he's <laughs> right. not going to sit and wait right. around and just 
go, okay, well, in 60 years' time, I'll be the next Arsenal striker. It's not going to happen. He will want to be playing games. Mm -hmm. He's not playing games in his position that he came in as, which is more of a wider role as well. So if he's being groomed for this central role and he sees Arsenal bringing another striker, I think if you're like a... He is still very young. I think a lot of people look at what he's, he's the impact of Martinelli when he signed and think perceived him to be a little bit older than he actually is because he's matured at a very young age, I suppose. But the thing is, if you're... 19 as Martin and is, and you see Arsenal bring in a 23, 24, 25 year old. The difference between that and giving Lacazette, who turns 30 in May, a two year extension on or a one year extension with an option on his contract, it's going to fill you a lot more confidence that the club do see you ultimately as the young guy that is going to be the pretender that comes in and fights for that spot. But yeah, signing a, an Eduard, which to be honest, I've seen a fair amount of Eduard. And I, I don't necessarily think he comes in and blows Lacazette out of the water. I, I really don't think he does. I don't think there's many strikers. I mean, the amount of times I've done a, an article now about kind of five strikers that Arsenal could sign realistically, and all of the people I'm writing about, be it 20-year-olds or 21-year-olds, like, say, uh, Abuadu at RZ, or talking about a 23-year-old like Yusuf Endesiri at Sevilla, or talking about a 25- to 26-year-old, or a 27-year-old like Andre Silva, any of these guys that you bring in, do they necessarily blow Lacazette out of the water? They might give you a little bit more, but is it a little bit more is a few more goals? And as Drew said earlier on, like him scoring 11 goals this season in this crazy year, he's actually, with the amount of minutes he's played, he's averaging a, a Premier League goal in less than every two full games, which is a pretty decent return in the Premier League for a striker. So, I, I, as I said, I think it's going to boil back to the point when it comes to Lacazette and it comes to kind of, as you said, Jess, to set up the whole point of this discussion, which kind of the reaction that we saw online today from a lot of the fans. I think it is a case of, of people getting, maybe getting a bit bored with the people that we've got already and they want to see something different because they think that something different is necessarily going to be better. When in reality, that isn't always the case. Uh, and that's the issue that we've got, I think. I think I would like to see Martinelli, though, going back to the original point, playing in yeah. the centre forward position. Well, oh, yeah, I was meant to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the first time I saw Martinelli play in an Arsenal shirt, I looked at him and thought, yeah, this guy's a centre forward. He's got all the attributes. But what I find interesting is that Gabriel Martinelli himself has repeatedly said that he prefers to play from the left. So I wonder, you know, how Mikel Arteta is going to sell it to him. And, and, you know, we're talking about that potential conversion from a left winger to a centre forward. And I think it would be the right move for Martinelli. And if there were guarantees about his role in the squad off the back of that, I think he'd go for it because he's hungry. He's got the passion. He's got the desire to succeed. Um, that's that's a great option, you know, and someone that I'm really looking forward to seeing more of. I don't buy into this, you know, that Mikel Arteta is mismanaging him and that the two are not on good terms and Martinelli's unhappy. I think that's a narrative that's being created by fans who are just, uh, just quite frankly, desperate to see someone who showed so much promise in the early days of his Arsenal career. You also think of it in the sense that uh, Martinelli, although he's kind of like a blank canvas for player in a way, um, from what we've seen, it looks like he's more of a type of player that likes to run in behind. Obviously, he's got a bit more of kind of the pressing about him than Aubameyang does, but because he's probably a more similar style of striker to Aubameyang, then to a Lacazette, and that kind of reinforces potentially what um, uh, um, uh, Arteta could be wanting to do with the with the squad. If if Aubameyang is the plan to be the the leading striker for the next season plus, then it makes more sense to have a striker behind him that fills a similar void. Because then, if at any point he has to come out, we have a player that can come in. We can play the same system. Um, the only problem with that potentially is how do we facilitate that? Because I think at the moment, as I said before, it's quite uh, important that Odegaard plays for Aubameyang to to play as a centre forward and be effective because we need someone that can hold the ball in those kind of upper third pockets and um, uh, and kind of control the game there, which we don't really have other than Odegaard. Um, uh, so you know, does Odegaard come back? Do we get another player like Odegaard along with Odegaard so we can kind of rotate the the two of them? I think these are like kind of big questions that we can see next season when he comes in, but. Um, uh, you know, it is, it's, for me, it's like a big thing that is um, we need different options. And if Lacazette like goes, we can bring someone else in. And um, he can, do, do we need someone that's going to fill that void? Some, that's something that Arteta is really going to have to be able to answer the question in like the next, like, I mean, how, how far away from some window? A few months? There's big questions now. 
So it could uh, make more sense if we do want to reinvest in the rest of the team that we've already got Aubameyang, Martinelli, Lacazette, which are three different types of strikers or three different types of profiles that all can score goals. Um, and then we can reinvest um, the money that we have in, you know, as we all, as we've pretty much all said, in areas of the team that make a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, all of your guys' points make a, a lot of sense. And I think we're just kind of, we're talking about the striker situation, but I, I kind of think it's like, well, we have good options up there, you know, so is it really that big of a deal that we're trying to figure out between Lacazette, who's good, Aubameyang, Martinelli? Like, I don't think that this is our really our issue. I know we look a lot at the strikers because it's like, well, they're the the big money people and those are those are the players that we look to to kind of win games for us. But ultimately, I think that we've looked a lot better and a lot you know, more dangerous, regardless of who is playing up front because of what we've done in the midfield. And it's just insane what kind of difference it's been from just December having a 10 in in that midfield. You know, the, the difference between us prior to Christmas and after Christmas is, to me, astounding. And it may not be, you know, really showing in the results per se, but the underlying metrics and the data, the statistics say that we're we're making a lot of progress. For you guys, what do you, I know we talked a lot about floors and ceilings and things like that. I know, Tom, you talked to Clive about that on your show, but just adding a creative player, do you think that that brought up the floor of this team? And do you think that bringing in maybe one or two players could bring up the floor even more? You know, we're seeing a lot of those lists on Twitter again of all the players that need to go and seven, eight players that need to come in, but it may just be one or two that can make the difference. Do you think that, Tom? You agree? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to explain, because I don't want to steal Clive's analogy, because it was fantastic. Um, I'm using about... it everywhere. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so... like it was my thing. It's not, yeah. but it was I say, I'm not trying to steal it, but I've used it literally <laughs> in every conversation about Arsenal. But effectively, what me and Clive were talking about, or rather what Clive was talking to me about, was the fact that you, you look at teams with the floor and the ceiling that they have, and this season, Arsenal's floor has been incredibly low, but Arteta has raised our ceiling. So when we're good, we're exceptionally good. But when we're bad we're really bad and we need to bring that floor up so our consistently poor performances are a lot better than currently what they are you look at teams like Everton this season they perform well but if you actually look at and analyze them you think well they're performing at their ceiling for quite a lot of the season I don't see Ancelotti getting much more from what he's got from that Everton side than I do from what I've seen this season whereas Arteta has got the issue of of coming in for after his first summer to try and get the most from a squad that is still kind of mishmash of, of players from different coaches and, and different periods. And he's not really got all the players that he necessarily wants or needs. And the ones that he has got, like Partey, hasn't been available to him for much of the season. So in regards to your question about the, like the creative player, I think that you saw that in regards to how efficient we are in the final third, the first half of the season before Boxing Day, where we didn't have a, a senior natural number 10, what we were capable of creating was very small. And whether that comes down to the stubbornness not to include Mesut Ozil, whether it's stubbornness at all, whether it's the right decision is another debate. But we didn't have a natural number 10. After Boxing Day, we start to implement using Emil Smith-Rowe into that number 10 role. And then in January, we bring in Erdogan as well, and you've added even extra creativity to the point where you can play them together and there's a free-flowing fluidity between the two of them. And it's great to watch. And it really kind of created so many chances for us. And I think that leads first 60 minutes or so was the culmination of that style working where you've got all these creative players creating tons of chances and our strikers are taking them as well. So I think that, yes, bringing in a number 10, if it's Erdogan or someone else in the summer, needs to be a priority because I don't think that Emil Smith-Rowe's fitness can be relied upon. I don't think you can solely say that Emil Smith-Rowe can be our number 10 going forwards because he is so unreliable in regards to his fitness purely. And I think we've seen the impact of Erdegaard is, is the evidence that someone else, no matter what their quality is or, or where they are, is, is important. But just adding that extra option to the point where you can play two number 10s effectively if one kind of skewed out wide but then becomes more incisive, it does lift the floor of what our attacking capabilities are, which is what Arteta needs to focus on after improving the defence quite drastically. Yeah, and we and I know me and Michael were kind of talking about this on Twitter about the quality of the players, the amount of players that we need to bring in is probably a, a lot smaller than what a lot of people think. Like Tom has already kind of said, the consistency, having certain players available to you makes a huge difference. But the more I think about it, and even when I spoke to Tom about this on his show, I was just thinking like, 
maybe five players away. I'm actually thinking the more I watch Arsenal play, it's a it's a lot less than that. We're a lot closer. You know, Michael, did you have something to add to that? I, you know, look, I I go back and forth on how much we really need, truly need. Um, and I, when I I've, I've, I I think I've been saying this for pretty much of the season. I don't think the team is as good as its good performances have shown, nor do I think it's as bad as that fall run was. Um, I think we're, gosh, two, three players away, but I don't, I'm still trying to figure out what those two, three players are. I think, I don't know what the plans are for Xhaka long-term. So I, I think there's gotta be a plan for the, the midfield still has to be fixed up a little bit, especially that partner alongside part a long-term. I think if, we do something with Odegaard, the Odegaard ESR work as the creative outlet works for me. Uh, and I think they work together outside. So I think right back is obviously a question mark. We don't know what's going to happen with Bellerin. I think Cedric has shown that he's probably a better signing than, um, than anybody thought he was going to be, but you still need, if he's becomes the number one, let's say you still need some reliable backup there. Um, and then we have to kind of land on our young center backs. I think we have to land on what that young center back pairing is going to be that kind of matures together over time. I think, I don't know how Harry, Tom, I think I know Drew and, and, and Luke's position on this. I think the one center back who's probably a 99% shoe in into a position is Gabrielle. That partner alongside him, I'm still not, is it, is it is it holding? Uh, is it is it going to be one of Sal? I, I think it, I think one of Saliba and Mavropanos is gone after this season. They're both sellable assets at this point. And I, based on the things you see here, Sven uh, Mislintat say, it sounds like Mavropanos has the mental side that 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 Arteta wants down. He may not have all the talent of Saliba, but I think he's got the professionalism and and, and um, mental side that Arteta wants. So then what are we looking for? We're looking for some additional depth up top, some additional depth in the midfield. So, yeah, maybe two to three players. But, I mean, let's not overlook this. If we, if we sign Odegaard to a permanent deal or even for another year transfer, I think that – fixes a significant problem for the for the way Arteta wants to play and for this version of Arsenal. So I'll, uh, it's too much me. We got Harry and Tom here. I want to hear from these guys. So. I mean, I completely agree. I think I think that the team hasn't been as bad as some of the performances have shown and, and it hasn't been as good as some of the performances have shown either. I think there's a there's a middle ground and that's why We've got to, as a fan base, stop being so overreactionary off the back of individual results. And we've got to look at the bigger picture. I think, look, I'm a massive Mikel Arteta supporter. I, I think he's the right man. I think he will get it right. I think given the time, he will, he will take Arsenal uh, back into the Champions League. But there's no getting away from the fact that he got things wrong in the first half of the season. Mm -hmm. That You know, no matter how much you support him, you can't deny that. The... the the, there was a lack of bravery from Mikel Arteta at the beginning of the season, you know, playing with a back three, looking to be tight all the time. And I get why he did it, because defensively, previously, Arsenal were a shamble. So I understand why he may have gone down that path and, and felt that way. But ultimately, you've seen an incredible difference since he's added a number 10 into the side, since we got a little bit braver and started taking the game to our opponents. You know, you've got Aubameyang, you've got Pepe, you've got Lacazette we've talked about, you've got Odegaard there now as well. You've got so much talent. Pin people back and, and play your own game. And I feel like we were a little bit submissive at the start of the season. The fact that that's changed and the fact that the style of play has changed will have obviously changed the plans. And, um, you know, you mentioned the centre-backs there, Michael. And for me, I agree with you that Gabriel is the one I look at of the younger lot, if if you want to say that. And I say, yeah, he's got a long-term future at Arsenal. I like Pablo Marie, but I, I'm not sure um, that he will, you know, he's a left-sided centre-back and I'm not sure that I would have him ahead of Gabriel right now uh, overall. And then you look at the other side of the defence and, and, and for me, it has to be David Luiz. And that is why... As much as I probably wouldn't do it, because you mentioned Saliba 
Um, and you mentioned Mavrobanos as well, who's out on loan in Germany. I wouldn't be surprised if Mikel went and got another centre-back for that right-sided position, if David Luiz's future's up in the air. I, I'm not sure it's a main priority, but I think it's something he'll be looking at. And and David Luiz brings a leadership to that role. Um, we've heard all about his sort of, you know, the way he mentors people behind the scenes, and that's great. And I'd actually like to see him stick around the club, but we have to be looking forward. And, um, you know, I, I'm a little bit worried about Saliba, not because of a lack of talent, but because of everything that's gone on in the past. Can he get his head right and settle down at Arsenal and put Mikel Arteta's initial snub behind him and and move forward? I'm not sure about that. And that's my big, big worry about the centre-back position. Yeah, George, um, at Gunner09663, asked about, you know, the defence. You know, he asked... Who do you see in the Arsenal's defense next year? We've kind of answered that a little bit. Does Chambers make the cut being homegrown or not? And how do we think the Saliba situation is going to play out? You know, um, you've kind of already half answered that, Harry. What do you think, Tom? Like, if you had to look forward to the next season and, you know, you had your crystal ball and you could, you know, see what what the center back pairing would look like next season, what the right back and the left back would look like, what does it look like to you? Is Bellerin still here or, you know, or no, that's a big question. People are really asking about Bellerin. Will he still be here? Can Chambers fill in in a position? Do we need Chambers to stay because of homegrown quota? What do you think? I think in, in regards to kind of Chambers, Chambers has been drafted in because Arteta has identified that our right-hand side is incredibly weak defensively. And I think that's why he's kind of been forced to put Chambers in there to, to be a little bit more disciplined, which is ironic considering he was excellent going forwards against West Ham, especially in the last kind of 60 minutes. And it did shock me to see that performance from him in the final third. But he he looked solid against Burnley when he played and he looks, besides obviously the whole team looked pretty horrific in the first 30 minutes against West Ham, but he's looked solid in that position. But I think that's why he's he's played in there. I think the decision to bring Chambers in and, and have Cedric play so much pretty much gives me the inclination that Bellerin is probably on the way out um, and that the club do kind of see him as a bit of an extendable asset that they may look to sell in the summer. Um, but the right-sided centre-back situation is really interesting. Um, I agree with both Mike and Harry on the on Gabriel being our, our, the most shoo-in defender in the team, um, by, by far along with, of course, Tierney on the left-hand side. Pablo Marie, I really like. I think, actually, we've gone out and made a really savvy signing um, and, and really kind of brought someone in for five million quid that's a really good backup to, to a 22-year-old that's willing to be someone that's that's okay to rotate. I think Marie kind of knew that he would be coming into a situation where he wasn't necessarily going to be playing every single week. And I think, he's, I think that's great that we've managed to savvily bring someone in like that. Um, so when it comes down to what we do with the right side, Louise has impressed me a lot in the second half of the season. Besides the the brain fart against Wolves, uh, whether or not you make of it as a foul where he gave it away to get that red card, other than that moment, I think he's been excellent and arguably our best centre-back since Boxing Day. I think he's been really good. So then the question is, do you then give him a new contract because he's been that good? He's, he's apparently really good in the dressing room. He really is an encouraging figure for the and a role model for the youngsters. My I kind of lie on the side of no, we don't because I feel like for Arsenal to move on, to go to that next level, Louise is in that bracket of players, no matter how good he has shown to be in these last six months, that we do need to move on, start moving away from these players that have got a real error in them. Um, and Louise falls into that category. I think we started to do that by seeing the likes of Kalasnach and, and uh, Mustafi be moved out, for example, and you see the issues that Schalke are having with those two there and, and ingrained there now. But I think that the right side of centre-back scenario that Arsenal are looking at, we know they're looking at that position. They've been scouting that position for a number of, of seasons, and even in January there were uh, kind of links to that we would be maybe even looking to bring someone in in January. So... I think that will be an area that we look at, but with how good Mavra Panos has, has been, I think that he may has the option to change their minds. But I also agree that one of him and Sal or Saliba will be gone either permanently or on loan next season. But it's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to do in the summer. It's fair to do, fair to say. Drew, you're the resident Bundesliga expert. You've watched enough probably of uh, Mavra Panos to to give a good evaluation of you know whether or not he has a chance to come back. Would he fit into that centre-back pairing with Gabriel? How do you feel about it? No, I don't think so. Um, 
for me, he Stuttgart play. They're very defensive first. They kind of play a counterattacking brand of football. They're very direct. They play in a back three. He doesn't fit what Arteta's going to want for a center back. He, you know, we build from the back very methodically. Um, center back uh, tasking for us is is more expansive because it's more to do, especially when you have wing backs that either overlap or underlap. So then, when you are you already don't have that protection as well, and Stuttgart have center midfielders that always want to come back as well. They're both box to box ideally. So um, yeah, I don't think he fits here. And I think he's not going to want to go from being arguably their best center back when he does play this season to want to come back here and, and fight for maybe being fourth or fifth choice overall. It doesn't make any sense. And I don't have an attachment to him. I, I appreciate that he's been playing well, but we're in a position now where if we can recoup money from a deal that was pennies by comparison you know you're looking at getting 10 times what you paid for him so why wouldn't you sell him on and it's not because i don't want to keep him it's because it just makes more sense especially if as tom already mentioned louise is playing quite well we don't know what's going to happen with saliba we did also just extend holding he's also we have three or four right-sided center backs we can look to so we don't have to try to keep all of them and we can't keep all of them in the first place so Stuttgart quite like him. Uh, he was a Mislin Tat signing in the first place, so he knew what he was getting when he wanted to bring him on loan. So it makes sense that the stars kind of align for for selling him for you know a decent chunk of change back that you can hopefully reinvest somewhere else in the team. So I think that makes the most sense for me perfectly. I think another thing that you have to take into account is the age profiles that would come with whatever partnership Arteta really wants to have for next season. Because you've got, obviously, I think we all agree that Gabriel is kind of the the main person that's going to be in that that centre back pairing. But next season he'll still be twenty three. He'll um uh, he'll be a second season of Premier League football, and and um and even before at Lille he didn't have like a huge amount of of senior football before um us signing him. Um this season we've seen a lot of kind of like a lot of highs which show like how good he can be. But we've seen like the lows as well in terms of his rashness. And uh, and how that can affect the team, like like he's he's still a defender that's learning, and I think that he's benefited uh, playing next to Louise. He he'd benefit playing next to uh, a centre back that's that's got more um, experience about them. So I think the problem is if Saliba comes back, then is he going to play an eighteen or I guess maybe nineteen at the time year old with um, with a twenty three year old? That's going to happen. Um, Mavropanos, even if uh, because I mean we've seen with El Neni that sometimes um, Arteta will kind of um, uh, prioritize having the the hardworking, maybe more kind of switched on professional players over players that may be better. I think like like I don't think there's a lot in it, but I'd say Torreira is a better player than on any. But Torreira's kind of been shoved to the side. So I think he's a much more sellable asset, and and then he's kind of come straight in and, and given Arteta what he wants at least in terms of um, kind of professionalism and, and along those lines. So um, I think if we were to look for a right centre back, we'd have to look for a player that's in a completely different age bracket to. Um, to Saliba and, and Abrapanos. We're looking at someone that's maybe 26 plus, and then you're looking at if we're looking internally, um at, like obviously Holden um started the season well. Um obviously isn't the, the player that's going to take us as far as you want to go. So, you know, you have to make a decision on him. Is he going to go at the end of the season? Um, is he going to come back in? Would you imagine if um if Arteta saw any real future of him, he'd, he'd be in the, the team ahead of Luis now, but he's not. So does he go at the end of the season? If Bellerin does go, which I think makes sense, probably for for mostly for Bellerin, because I think um, he gets a lot of kind of of uh, unwarranted stick, even though uh, obviously he's not perfect. Um, but I hear people say things like um, uh, that he's not good enough for us. Yet if we sell him, I'd say the likely destination would be a team like PSG in Barcelona. So maybe again, that's another situation we have to kind of look at ourselves and and say um, how good is this player that actually we don't like. Um, so if he does go. Uh, Cedric and Chambers good enough to hold down that right back spot, so we can put money into other areas. Um, uh, and if we are going to be looking at the right centre back spot, as like Tom was saying, there's, there's so many decisions to make, and um, there's a lot of players we have to decide if they're going, if they're staying. There's still like a lot of streamlining that's required in this squad. Um, I, I'd personally be happier to see us maybe sign two players of note. That like when I say two players, I mean two players that can compete for first team places rather than trying to sign like four or five players, which maybe will be kind of the end game in two, three years. Um, if we were to sign a right centre back, I think that would be good as long as it was a player that had experience and quality that that can almost guide Gabriel. But I think when you're looking at that type of player, you're looking at very kind of sh like a much smaller shortlist. Um, 
ideally, I wouldn't want us to extend Louise because I think that this is probably a good time for us to part ways. But at the end of the day, who else is going to come in and give us the security that we need if Gabriel is going to be the team week in, week out? Because we do need an experienced centre-back. Um, that's kind of the where the dilemma falls for me. Um, I don't really know what more to say on it, to be honest. It's just like, it's it's almost confusing to think about what um, Arteta's going to have to do in the summer. But, you know, I, he says they've got a plan and it's, it's exciting to, to see what they're going to do. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit about Arteta specifically. You know, he was in, you know, there were rumors going around a couple of weeks ago when they were doing the elections at Barcelona that, you know, um, that they were looking at him as well, like for an option for, for a coach. And there's now been some talk about him getting an, um, a contract extension of his own. And there was a lot of talk about whether or not he's earned, you know, a contract extension at this point. You know, he's won two trophies, whether or not you believe the Community Shield is a trophy or not, it, it is considered one, you know, so he's won two trophies. Um, he's had a very tough start to, you know, his Arsenal career in terms of the league coming in eighth last season and, and kind of floundering around mid-table this season. But for a lot of us, we've seen an a lot of kind of moves towards trying to do things the right way. And a lot of that has, has come from Arteta under Emery. We didn't see any emphasis about, you know, trying to redo the culture, you know, trying to bring in a new way of thinking, starting from scratch. Those are things that are very identifiable from, from Arteta that we didn't have before. And so, although I think we're, we're talking a lot about things that we feel like can happen in the future, you know, we have a lot to be excited about, you know, we're not sure how it's going to turn out. But personally, for me, I think that we have to tie this guy down because other teams are going to be looking at him, you know, I would be afraid Arteta will get poached from us if, you know, the Cronkies don't back him. Harry, do you think that Arteta has done enough to to earn a contract extension at Arsenal so far? No, Um I like, like I said, I'm a big supporter of Mikel Arteta. I really do think he's got all the makings of a top coach. But how can you give him a contract extension when we're in mid-table? You know, if if we don't win the Europa League this season, this season, I know everybody will say it's a transition. And me personally, I won't be screaming at the hilltops for him to be sacked. But you cannot justify giving somebody a new contract if we don't end this season with silverware and right now we haven't got any silverware not no actually that's the wrong term let me rephrase that it's not about ending the season with silverware it's about there not being there's been progress when you scratch under the surface but there are a lot of arsenal fans that are not convinced by Mikel Arteta and i think it would be a pr disaster for the club to give him a new contract um right now it, it win the europa league different you know, we're talking about a manager who's won two major trophies in a season and a half. And then, you know, I think people will be a lot more receptive to it. But, you know, as much as I support him and as much as I like him and think he's the right man, you, I just don't think you can put a new contract in front of him. I think there will be clubs in the future that are looking at Mikel Arteta. I think people have to get out of this mindset that everybody's going to be as loyal to Arsenal as Arsene Wenger was. You know, Mikel Arteta made some comments about Paris Saint-Germain when he was asked about that and, and people were up in arms about it again, it's another one of his former clubs. You know, they're one of the biggest clubs in Europe right now in terms of their power. Why would you not uh, at some point in your career want to manage that team? For, for me, we have to get out of this mode of thinking that whoever is the manager is, is going to stay forever. That's not how football works anymore. And, and going back to the original point, I absolutely adore Mikel Arteta and I think he will go on to great things. But I just, I cannot justify, I don't think you can justify giving him a contract now um, when Arsenal are ninth in the Premier League and, um, you know, potentially on the on the cusp of, of what's going to be a really bad season. I think the only reason for me, I mean, I, first of all, I agree with you 100%. I don't think as much as I'm a fan of his and like can sing his praises on a number of issues, I do think that's too early to give it off the basis of you think that he's going to become a big thing for the club. However, 
I do also think that one of the reasons you could give him an extension is to protect the fact that if he does leave, you get some sort of restitution for it. Look what happened with Marco Rosa at Borussia Mönchengladbach just now. They're, they they have to miss out on a brilliant manager. He's going to Dortmund, obviously. But if you give it, if you, you can tie into his deal the fact that the club can get compensation for a manager leaving, you, maybe that could be the reason why you give him a new deal. Not because you think in five years' time we're going to win three Premier League titles in a row. I don't think anybody thinks that, obviously. But... Um, but people forget, and this is the same thing you have to talk about when you talk about players, and it's already been mentioned, is that contracts aren't always just because you think the person or the player is going to be there for the duration of it. It's to protect yourself. Contracts play a big role in that. So for Arteta, that could be one of the only reasons why you can maybe justify it currently right now, because you could see that there's a lot of backing for the manager, not just from our players, but for the management community in Europe as a whole. Pep constantly backs him. You know, bigger clubs are already keeping an eye on him because you, even though we're not in the best period at the minute, you still see what he's done in a very short spell of time with not even remotely close to the financial backing that other big clubs get. You see what he's done with players, you see what he did when he was on Pep's coaching staff. So all those little tiny, I don't know, call them breadcrumbs, if you will. They're all kind of lining up for the fact that he probably will go on to have a big future. But same thing with players and how our fans attach themselves to players. You, you can't really attach yourselves to managers either. Arsene Wenger and Sir Alex Ferguson and those types are, that's never happened. It's not happening anymore. And it's not going to happen with players either. Players aren't going to spend their whole career at clubs anymore, which is why I try to get people to understand that Bukayo Saka probably will not be here for the duration of his entire career. It's, it's likely not going to happen football moves away from that. There are always bigger opportunities. And whether we like it or not, Arsenal is not even remotely at the top of the totem pole. It doesn't matter how big the history of the club is. It doesn't matter how strong we are financially on the books for valuation. We're very far away from a lot of other bigger clubs that a lot of players and managers might want to go to. So um, I think if we do extend it, it should be still a reason of protecting the club in terms of we should get something for it if he does leave early. But I but I don't think you could give him the extension based off of results yet. So I'm kind of in between on both. I think, and I, it's funny because I, I don't think we can, I don't think we'll win Europe league, but I also think that if we don't win it, that's gotta be a failure considering you. I'm not one of the, the type to look at the next tie against Slavia Prague and think it's dusted. Slavia Prague has proven that they're very difficult to beat. There's no reason to suggest that we're going to walk it. We could easily get knocked out. And even though they've done well, you'd still have to say that the onus is on us to actually go out and win it because we're one of the two biggest clubs left in the competition, arguably. So it's a tough, it's, it's a tough moment, you know? So if we get knocked out of Europe and we don't finish say top seven this year, you can't really extend a manager based off of that, but you can, if you're expecting that he might not be here, you see what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, I'm kind of right in the middle between some, some of my thought about extension isn't because of what he's done. It's more because I don't expect him to be here in three years time. But that's just me. I think that the, the Arteta situation and like the perception of Arteta amongst the fan base is is incredibly split. And I, I find that a big shame, obviously, because the fan base was so fractured at the end of the Arsene Wenger tenure. Um, I genuinely thought that maybe once we got a new coach and things might unite better. But I think there's, there's been so much damage, mainly done through the the presence of social media and and obviously podcasting and and videos and just people's opinions being able to be so much more public that that's caused that. And it's always going to be that, I think. And I don't think no matter what happens, there's always going to be that kind of split, so vocal split between people. But I I do really struggle to to I, I understand the frustrations of a lot of people with Arteta and where we are in the table and stuff. I, I get it. I really do. Because growing up during the Invincible periods, knowing where Arsenal have been as a club, obviously, like, you want to see Arsenal being in the Champions League because they were for so long. You want to see them change over titles for, for all of that time. But I do find that there's kind of a perception of Arsenal that our, our squad ain't that amazing. And, like we're expecting this coach with barely any experience to come in and, and take this squad into a challenging for, for a top four immediately when all of the teams around us, and I mean all of them, have recruited consistently better than we have over the last five years. It's only this last summer and January where I've really looked at Arsenal and gone, wow, we're, we're actually doing some good stuff here. We're, we're changing things. We're, we're signing some good players. We're adding to the spine. We're, we're bringing in players smartly and savvily for a, a good amounts of money. And I find it staggering that 
and he could be judged off this amount of time to say that this is the wrong guy. Based upon what we've seen, I do find it staggering to suggest that he is the wrong guy right now. And I agree with Harry in the sense that you can't offer him a contract right now. It's because there is not enough evidence in the other direction yet to say that he is the right guy. But it's for me, we're not at a point in time in his tenure where we can say yes and no. I think that in a year's time, after two summer windows, after two January, two technically three when he joined as well, January windows two, and you've had enough time to move the players out that you want, get two summers worth of players in. If we're still sitting eighth, ninth, tenth in the table and we're nowhere near top four, then you can have some serious conversations about saying that I don't think this manager is getting us to where we need to be. But I don't think anyone, be it Ancelotti, be it Pep Guardiola himself, comes in at the same time that Arteta does and takes this squad to top four after one year with where we are and where everyone... A lot of people can't, I think, forget about everyone else because we're kind of so blinkered about Arsenal and what our expectations are of Arsenal that we forget about, actually, there's quite a lot of good teams in the Prem. <laughs> there's actually a lot of them. And we have to compete with that. And, and that's a real issue. But... I just hope that we can see the progression towards the end. If we achieve Europa League and we win that, getting up this Arsenal squad into a Champions League next season would be massive. And you have to say that we should. I know that, Drew, you were saying, like, Slavia Prague are a good team, and I get that. And I don't like to go along the line of expectation. But based upon the fact that we play Slavia Prague in the Europa League quarters and then we play one of Villarreal or Dinamo Zagreb, and I'm all for the side of saying that we shouldn't have expectations, but Arsenal should get into that Europa League final this season. They should do. I'm not being disrespectful to those teams, but Arsenal should, with the players that we have, with the form that we've been on, what we've shown this season, we should get into that final. And, and if we don't get into that final, I think there will be more serious questions about what this squad is, because I think we've got the quality to, to be able to do that and we should do. So. No, I just real quick. I agree with you. I don't. It's not that I don't think we shouldn't get into it. I of just course. think that you can't say it's a guarantee. And I think a lot of fans are gearing up. That, for, yeah. yeah, a lot of fans are gearing up for that narrative that mm. the the way to the final is clear. Like, no, well, it's not. You know, but I on on the back of the quality we do have, and on the back of the club that we are, we should be getting into it because if other clubs have that same expectation for themselves, same Champions League, like if. If Barca don't get into the semifinals of a year, it's an absolute catastrophe. You know, the fact that they're getting knocked out in rounds of 16s is like bedlam. So, I can get, obviously, yeah. you, you take it for what it is. But, yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, th there's, a lot, there's a lot to unpack here because I, I got to go back on a couple different points. First of all, if, if, he wins the, if he wins the Europa League, you absolutely positively have to give him, give him the, the extension. And I, and I think it's because that last point that Tom just made, because getting this squad into the Champions League, so that means – is a feat unto itself because Tom's right. This squad, that's the biggest issue we have right now. The biggest issue isn't Arteta's tactics, his getting it wrong in the fall. It's the fact that we still have two-thirds of a squad that I'm, – I'm, I'm estimating two-thirds of the squad is still remnant from <laughs> – is still and, – and, and actually, I, you gotta, I almost back out the youth players because they weren't recruited for this. But I, I was telling Jess earlier – I'm going to feel better about this squad, and I think you can make a better assessment of Michael Arteta when two-thirds of the squad are his players, right? And I I don't know how I feel about I, I don't think he deserves a new contract right now. And I agree. I can't remember who said it about the idea. If we're sitting here next a year from now, after he's had another full summer and another January, and we're still struggling for eighth, ninth, tenth place, then you have serious questions to ask. I also don't think it's unreal to think that he might decide, you know what, I'm not going to do what I need to do here and go somewhere. Because as Drew was kind of saying, we're now in an era where there is no longer loyalty to a club. I'd love for a player like Saka or ESR or any of those young guys to really fill out their career here at Arsenal and, and, and retire an Arsenal player. But even though they came to our academy, the, the ultimate responsibility, the ultimate responsibility to a player is to themselves now and to a, even to a coach and a manager. They don't have that. You can't expect a player of this era to be a Tony Adams uh, kind of player, a player that stays at one club because their careers are short. They, you know, they are ultimately looking out to, you know, 
it's not so much chasing a paycheck, but players do still want to win things. And if they don't feel that they're going to achieve that here, they're going to go find it elsewhere, no matter. And that's why players, you know, you know, we we as fans would hate it if a player went from Arsenal went over to Tottenham, right? But you could seriously make a case for this era of players looking at Tottenham or Chelsea or, or whoever and saying, that's a better picture for me. That's going to help me achieve what I want. And they're not going to have the same issue we have with that. So Arteta talking to PSG, Arteta being considered by Barcelona, Arteta being considered by any other team, we need to kind of realize that that's going to happen. And he may consider that, you know, and, and, I'll be, and I'll be honest with you, I tend to agree with Harry. I think Mikel Arteta, when 20 years from now, when his whether where he is in his managerial career, is going to be one of the bright spots in the managerial universe. That, and I don't think that's going to happen at Arsenal. I think ultimately he's going to he's going to help right the ship for Arsenal. It's almost think what Brendan Rodgers did for Liverpool. You know, get them to a certain point, and and, and that's it because. That's where we are as a club. And then it's going to be somebody else who has to build on that. That That's kind of where I am with Arteta. All right. Well, those are all really good points. Um, I agree with, like, all of them. So I don't have anything else to add. <laughs> you know, he doesn't really he doesn't really deserve it yet, but I can see why they would want to. But they have to wait until the end of the season and see where he ends up. So we're going to end it there. Thank you to everybody who is watching. There's 34 of you guys watching right now. Make sure that you like the video and subscribe to the channel before you leave. And I want to give a special thanks to our very, very special guest. Harry, can you let everybody know when's your next show and where they can follow you? I'm not actually sure when the next show is going to be because I'm taking I'm taking a couple of days <laughs> off for the international break because it's been a crazy season. So I'm looking forward to having a couple of days peace. But uh, you can check out the Chronicles of Aguna. Um, it's on YouTube, but it's also in audio format as well. Uh, so you can find it on all major podcast stores uh, if, if you prefer that format. But yeah, thank you. And thanks for having me. Tom, can you let everybody know where they can find you, your next show, if you know? <laughs> kind of yeah, no, I do. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to say, I agree with Harry. The international break is all about being selfish. Um, it's, it's, that's what it's about. Um, I've gone down a different route, though, uh, and tomorrow uh, I'm going to be interviewing uh, a guy called Friction, um, who is a drum and bass producer here in the UK. He's a big Arsenal fan, um, and I'm a big fan of his. So that's that's the selfish route I've gone down. Don't care about the listeners what they want. Just I'm going to interview the guy that I want. So we're going to do that. Um, but no, that's at 3 p.m. UK time tomorrow. But you can find us at The Guna Talk uh, on Twitter. Just type in The Guna Talk on YouTube. But as same with Harry and The Chronicles. It's all on all the audio platforms as well. So, yeah. Let me let me, let me say something to both of you guys. As as the guy who does You Are My Arsenal, and I'm lucky to have Jess agree to kind of host our podcast. But having you two guys on to kick off this kind of roundtable, I'm really appreciative you're both content creators that I tend to follow. And I, it's funny because I was telling Jess earlier, I don't have a tendency to actually read or listen to a lot of co other Arsenal content because I don't want it to skew when I write or when I when I do my own content because somebody a long time ago accused me of stealing their format for a podcast. So I like got away from that. But you guys really, I, I love engaging with you guys. Um, you got, you, your content is is top notch, absolutely top notch. So thank you guys for coming out and making this roundtable kick off a great conversation. And you guys have open invites to come back at any time. All right. Thank you, man. Thank, thank you. Man. All right. Appreciate it. Very kind. Don't forget to follow You Are My Arsenal on Twitter. It's just that You Are My Arsenal, that is the handle. And all of the information for me, Michael, Luke, and Drew is in the description box. So um, the next You Are My Arsenal podcast will probably be after the Liverpool game, I would suspect. You know, so, no? We're winning that. Yeah, we're winning that. Yeah, so hopefully we're talking about a win. If we don't, no podcast. <laughs> exactly. So we'll get all the information for that soon. So just make sure that you guys are following us. And yeah, we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, guys.